Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here in the pre-blizzard edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Coming to you live, as always, from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine, soon to be um, a very white Portland, Maine. Um, Mainers are tough, but I don't think we're looking forward to two and a half feet of snow. Usually it's upstate New York that gets more snow than we do, but I think you guys are getting spared this time. Yes, Susie? Yes, I I believe you're correct, Dr. Green. And, um, well, I guess um, that will even things out, I suppose. But um, it's supposed to be getting bad around here pretty soon. And uh, luckily, we're getting the radio program in, and we'd get the radio program in anyways because neither snow nor sleet, well, I don't remember the expression, <laughs> but nothing stands in the way of us getting the radio program in. How are you today, Susie? Good. Thank you. Um, before we start, I think I know you're a Patriots fan, yes? And Yeah. They're I in the feel Super like I'm Bowl being led into something here this week. But yes, they've, they've been accused of breaking the rules, and I'm yes. wondering how America can have a Plan B conversation with the Patriots coach Bill Belichick, because there's a lot of us who have concerns that we want to put on the table. Well, here's the deal. <laughs> yes. You know, if we were doing CPS with Bill Belichick, one of the hallmark themes of CPS is that we are going to take the other person's concerns at face value. And Bill is saying that he abided by the rules to the letter 100%. Here's what we don't have the op and, and you know one of the things we always say is that don't worry about the kid lying to you in the empathy step of plan B because um first of all his concerns are legitimate even if we don't see things quite the same way he does and secondly good drilling will help us really get to what his concerns really are, even if he's a little off base in them in the beginning. So here's the part that uh, we don't have the opportunity to do, and I don't know if the news media did this. I think the news media was doing more grilling than drilling. We haven't really had the opportunity to drill for information with Bill, drill with Bill. Um, (laughs) Instead, they were grilling with Bill And Bill isn't all that enthusiastic about talking to the news media in the first place, so it probably wasn't ideal circumstances for us to 
get from Bill what was really going on, and plus all of this is really ramped up because of the news media and, and this is relevant, because of Bill's past behavior in terms of, uh, well, he's um, he's done something that a lot of folks think of as cheating before. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I think that America has some concerns. I do think that some people resent the Patriots for their success. Teams that people who live in cities with teams that haven't won anything in a very long time. And the Patriots are a pretty successful team. But you know what? It would feel pretty bad if I was somebody who was rooting for a team that played by the rules, watching a team that people perceive as not playing by the rules, winning. That's that's never a good feeling. And of course, I've experienced that uh, in my professional life as well, so I can speak to that one. Never fun to um, see somebody breaking the rules and being successful if you're sticking to the rules. But um, So I think I can empathize with how a lot of folks throughout America feel um, exactly the point you were driving at, but I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Well, on a more serious note, um, one of the things that I did over the holiday break was to reread the most recent edition of The Explosive Child. And it reminded me of one of the best parts of the book is how it teaches the Plan B model through real-life conversations between parents and kids. And the drilling down skills were also very helpful, too. Um, yes, oh, lots more detail about how to do all of it. It's always my mm-hmm. goal to make things as clear as possible. And, of course, the model continues to evolve, which is, of course, why I hate seeing outdated renditions of the model out there. But um, uh, And I try to do whatever I can about that, but there's not always something that I can do about that. Um, yeah. Shall we get going with some emails? Let me give the phone number, 347-994-2981. By the way, I am delighted to report that um, we have finally fixed the problem with iTunes that we've been having with this particular program. The Educators program, which airs once a a month, uh, the iTunes, there was no iTunes problem, but Finally, thanks to a wonderful representative at iTunes with whom we've been working for the last six to eight months, uh, this program is finally linked back into the iTunes store. And so people can um, access the program now once again, not only through the listening library on the Lives in the Balance website, but also through through iTunes. So that was a major accomplishment. That's um, great. It sure does help to have somebody who knows what they're doing. Shall we start with an email, though, since we do not have any callers yet? Ready? Sure. Ready. This is this is an interesting one. Would you make your child pay for the items he breaks around the house when he has his fits? That's it. It's a one-sentence email. And... Um, 
You got no advance warning on this one. I'm happy to take the first crack at it, but also I'm happy to give you the first crack at it. Um, your call. Um, I can take it. The <laughs> I when when our son was violent and destructive and during his meltdowns um, would uh, throw different pieces of furniture or um, materials. Um, I have to say, I did think about making him pay for those items, but I decided that in the long run, it's not teaching him the skills that he's lagging. It's not solving problems, and that's what we needed to do in order to um, reduce and eventually eliminate the maladaptive behavior. So you didn't have him so pay. We did not. Well, And, and it was I expensive. Think, yeah, I bet. It can get expensive. Mm-hmm. I think that um, you just took the words right out of my mouth. Um, there are people who do have their kid make amends for... Um, things they've damaged, they've caused, or sometimes even feelings they've hurt. And of course, making amends for damage you've caused usually um, involves money. Um, Making amends in terms of bad feelings can often occur in the form of a a, a note, an apologetic note, Um, sometimes agreeing to do a chore for somebody, sort of... um, being restorative, making amends. Um, The point I always make is that um, making amends is all well and good, but it doesn't solve the problem that caused the kid to behave in the way that caused damage to be done or feelings to be hurt. And so while making amends once again is fine, If we're in the problem-solving business, then the most reliable way to keep it from happening again is to solve the problem that set the whole thing in motion in the first place. Um, And if you asked me which is more important, the making amends part or the solving the problem so it doesn't happen again part, solving the problem so it doesn't happen again is way more important And once again, that's not a slight against making amends. That's just saying that solving problems makes it so the kid doesn't have to make amends again the next time. And that's what's most important. I don't think making amends solves the problem, even though it makes the person who was offended or whose property was damaged feel better Um, For me, the ultimate, the holy grail is getting the problem solved so that it doesn't come up again, 
so that the kid isn't in the position of having to make amends again. And that's something that making amends doesn't accomplish. Any further thoughts on that one? Uh, No, I think you summed it up very well. Well then, let's move on. First, let me check and see if we have any calls. We don't. So let's move on to another one that, um, well, this is one that I'm just going to read. It's to me, um, but here we go. Hi, Dr. Green. Thank you. I discovered you by accident on the Internet while looking for something, anything to help my son, and have been crying since I began reading. I've felt so alone in trying to help him and unsure of what to say or do. So trying to help my son has been the blind leading the blind. I really thought I was doing everything wrong and it was my fault. We've had a very tough life the last few years, uh, from taking care of my dad at home through the course of his ALS, then losing everything because of it. Worth it, though. We are still dealing from the, uh, with the financial fallout from it all, so I've had to wear many hats, none of them well. I thought I'd lost my son, who is 11 and is currently uh, home from the hospital because he was having too many issues at school with his behavior and other students putting their hands on him. He's a very sweet, loving child, and it breaks my heart to see him morphing into something he's not. You've given me hope and a place to start, and I thank you for that. I'm going to try to get your books and utilize this website. Thank you for giving me a real hope, not just a wish. Well, as I always say in response to uh, messages like this, you are very welcome, and I'm not sure you need the book. You may just need the website. There's actually more information on the website than there is in a book at this point. So I know that people feel um, that they need to uh, buy something, but you really don't have to buy something. I mean, if you like to read, you should buy something. But, of course, there's a lot to read on the Lives in the Balance website as well. My whole mission and the reason one of the reasons I founded Lives in the Balance was to make it so that people didn't have to buy something to access this model. And um boy, we should sure do get a lot of compliments on that Lives in the Balance website and it sure is chock full of free resources. So number 1, uh, it sounds like you've been through it and number 2, I'm not sure you need to buy anything. But, Susie, she's saying a lot of things in her email that probably sound familiar to you. The part about feeling alone, the part about the blind leading the blind, the feeling of doing everything wrong and blaming one's self. Um, Are those things you found yourself feeling at some point along the way? Absolutely. I felt like I was just running on fumes. Um, I I was so depleted with um, when when you see your child deteriorate and become something that you know um, is really not your child, and um, 
I was going to say that she's just so brave to try to be open-minded and to try another approach. Um, The goal is to make life better, and Plan B certainly does that between a parent and a child. I think we've had many people, many parents call into this program who felt similarly. Um, It's a very lonely, desperate, helpless, hopeless feeling Um, to have a, number one, to have a kid who you feel isn't doing well. You know, I think the vast majority of us parents experience parental guilt when even the slightest thing goes wrong with our kid. Um, Having a kid who's doing really poorly behaviorally, um, sometimes feeling like you're doing things that make it worse, not knowing what to do, not knowing who can help you figure out what to do. Um, Those are awful feelings. And um, I'm so glad that the mom found the website. I'm sorry it was by accident. Um, That just tells me that Lives in the Balance needs to do a much better job of helping people know that we exist and that um, we're here to help and that there's a lot of free resources waiting for them on that uh, Lives in the Balance website. But, of course, that's what we spend a good part of the time here at Lives in the Balance trying to figure out how to do making sure that more and more people know um, about what we're about and what we're trying to accomplish, Um, but not a wonderful feeling. No, but but the model does give you hope, and that's priceless. Here's another email. Uh, My daughter is 10 years old. Uh, Psychological testing has shown that she has generalized anxiety disorder, which manifests as oppositional behavior. Currently, we, her parents, and the school feel we have hit a wall. She refuses to discuss her anxiety or the behavior that occurs because of it. Most of her anxiety is around school and authority figures. She uses bad language, calls names, and makes threats. We are stuck. Her angry outbursts are disruptive and upsetting to everyone. I'm grateful the school uses a relational approach, but there seems to be something we just can't get past. I've read your book. I love your advice. But what do we do when the child refuses to discuss, talk, listen, or read about anything that could possibly help her? Because she is very bright and intuitive, she seems to sense any creative approaches to helping her. I should say that before I quote-unquote knew better, I would try to push her to use techniques to help her when she was in the spin. I know better now, but don't know how to get through to her. Please help. Any suggestions or advice would be so greatly appreciated. Currently, she is on no meds. Well, let me take a crack at that one. Um... Our motto in the Collaborative and Proactive Solutions Territories is 
It all starts with the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. Um, nice to know that she meets diagnostic criteria for generalized anxiety disorder. Nice to know that her anxieties manifest themselves in the form of oppositional behavior, which includes bad language, calls names, making threats. Understandable that her angry outbursts are disruptive and upsetting to everyone. Great that the school uses a relational approach. But it's possible that the something that people are having trouble getting past is that I'm reading nothing in the email about lagging skills and unsolved problems. Um, so it doesn't matter what, um, and that might just be because that's something that the emailer didn't include in the email, but sticking with the motto, it all starts with the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. We need to know more than just that she's anxious. Anxiety is downstream. Bad language, name-calling, threat-making, downstream. What's upstream? Lagging skills and unsolved problems. What, what lagging skills are contributing to her difficulties and what unsolved problems are being caused by those lagging skills? Because that's what we're going to be working on. It's actually... It can be done, but it's very nonspecific to work on anxiety in general. But even more important than that, as it relates to the reason this mom emailed us, is that her daughter's not participating in the process. And one of the things I've learned over the years is that if we try to talk with a kid about anxiety, we actually reduce the likelihood that the kid will participate in the process because that topic is too broad. If we talk to the kid about behavior, number one, it's too broad. Number two, it's downstream. And number three, the kid's going to think she's in trouble and um, get defensive. And that reduces the likelihood of a kid talking. But when we identify lagging skills, we move beyond mere anxiety. Anxiety is a merely a one potential manifestation of lagging skills, and there are many others, and this 10-year-old uh, girl has some of the others, including oppositional behavior, but those are just a signal that there are problems that have yet to be solved until we figure out what those problems are. So number one, lagging skills help us be much more specific about what's getting in the daughter's way, not just mere anxiety. That's the signal, but it's not what's getting in her way just the way the kid is letting us know something is getting in her way. But what we really got to get specific about is unsolved problems. Under what, what expectations is her daughter having difficulty meeting? And we need a list of those unmet expectations. I call them unsolved problems. And that's what we're actually going to be working on. For me, anxiety is too broad. Diagnoses don't tell me much about what's getting in the kid's way. Diagnoses just tell me what behaviors the kid exhibits when something's getting in her way. So we need to start paddling upstream and use 
the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems on the Lives in the Balance website. It's in the paperwork section. To identify lagging skills so we have the right lenses on and so that we know in much more specific terms what's getting in the way. And then unsolved problems so we know exactly what we're working on. Because uh, apparently, and this is not unusual, working on behavior and working on something as nebulous as anxiety isn't getting us there. And without knowing anything more about this situation, it feels to me like that may be what they are having trouble getting past. But Susie, let's have you weigh in on that as well. Um, Well, I just wanted to make sure that the family has the right lenses on that children do well if they can. And as you're saying, it's about lagging skills and unsolved problems. But once you see this as a developmental delay, as a learning disability, it's it's a eye-opener. It's a lens-changing moment. It's oh, no wonder what we've been doing for so long isn't working. And I wonder if there's also a way for the parents to pick a calm time and make an appointment with their daughter, I believe it is, um, and really say that they're trying to do something different and they're doing it together. It's not something that they're doing to her or against her, that they're sort of not enemies and slogging through mud together and they're trying to solve some of these problems that have been causing challenging behavior for a very long time. Uh, We wish the mom luck. This sounds like a tough situation, but um, both kids do well if they can, and it all begins with the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems should serve her well, and she's got an entire website waiting for her to help her do that and can always call into this radio program if she runs into trouble along the way. Let me give that phone number once again because we are... um, only about, uh, well, we're two-thirds of the way through the program. That number again, 347-994-2981. Maybe people are getting ready for the blizzard today. Um, It has already begun in New York City. Well, not the blizzard, light snow. But uh, the rest is coming. And actually, it's making its way into Connecticut now. How do I know this? The Weather Channel. (laughs) Shall we? um, And, of course, you know, there have always been blizzards. While it's nice to get the advance warning, and while it's especially nice to get the advance warning on a huge storm like this that could um, and probably will cost some people their lives, I must say, I think we make a little bit too big of a deal out of some storms. Not this one. This is a biggie. This is this is this is in a different category. But sh- we sure do get jacked up these days about four or five inches of snow. Good to have the advance warning. 
You're exactly right about that, yes. Yeah, good to have the advance warning, good to know what's coming, good to, this is one we want to know that's coming. Um, People got to be prepared for one like this, but uh, boy, I've never seen four or five inches of snow cause so much excitement in my entire life. Ready for another? Sure am. Here we go. Uh, I've recently read the book, The Explosive Child, which has been hugely helpful to me in understanding my four-year-old son and giving me a strategy to help him with his behavior. I also have a five-year-old son, and I am a single mother. I don't have a diagnosis for my four-year-old yet, but your book has been more helpful to me than any of the various well-meaning professionals working with us. That's nice to know. However, the basket B stuff is not getting resolved. Here is an example. Normally, I get up and shower before the boys wake up so I can see them when they wake up, see to them when they wake up. By the way, this one is from um, the United Kingdom. Hmm. One morning last week, my four-year-old woke up early, so I tried to settle him before my shower. I got him dressed, took him downstairs, put his put his breakfast ready, got in some paper and pens out as he said he wanted to do some coloring. I put the TV on for him and said I need to go and have my shower now. I knew he would not like this as he likes me with him all the time, including whenever he needs to uh, pop up to go to the bathroom. So the conversation continued. Four-year-old, no, stay here. Mother, is there anything else I can get you before I go for a quick shower? Four-year-old, no, I don't want you to go. Stay here and get me the colors I want. Mother, trying to do the basket B thing in parentheses. Uh, So you want me to stay here and I need a shower, so what do you think I should do? Four-year-old, stay here and give me the colors I want. Mother, but that doesn't help me with my shower, so do you have any idea how we can both be happy? Green, and not Ross Green. Green with no E at the end. All right, so that's the end of the dialogue. Now here's the rest of the message. I could provide several examples that are similar to this, and we are avoiding meltdowns most of the time, although he is still excessively violent towards his brother, but our conversations don't seem to be anywhere near reaching the solutions described in the book. I'm allowing him to control a lot of what I do in order to achieve the user-friendly environment, but I think I am missing some vital ingredient because he seems to be getting more comfortable being a mini-dictator, albeit an incredibly cute one. If you can provide me with any advice or direct me to somewhere on the website, I would be grateful. Although my five-year-old is quote-unquote normal, he is nowhere near the good-as-gold end of the spectrum, so the pair of them are challenging in the extreme. Thanks for the time. Thanks for your time, and thanks for your book. Now, Susie, we get to get to work. Um, want to take the first crack? Sure. Um, for the longest time, I did mostly Plan C with my son because his um, temper and violence played into my abusive childhood. And I was even crowned Little Miss C in my house until I saw that it was no longer 
doing my son any good, and I was no longer comfortable with it. So I really empathize with this mom. Um, it, it is hard to get the plan be ball rolling, um, but if you just stick with it, um, it works. I'm going to get a little more technical. This was emergency plan B. And we want to be doing proactive plan B. Now, we may not have known that the four-year-old was going to wake up early, so if this was the first time it ever happened, um, you're stuck with emergency plan B. But even if this was emergency plan B, it began with, um, well, it we didn't get concerns on the table in the first two steps. We got solutions on the table. And is there anything else I can get you before I go for a quick shower would not be the ideal beginning to the empathy step. Um, here's probably what would be a more ideal start. Granted, this is emergency plan B. Um, you want me to stay here. Uh, help me understand that a little bit more. So the four-year-old wanting mom to stay here was just the beginning of his concern or perspective, just the tip of the iceberg. And I realized that she wanted to get into the shower, but um, doing this well is going to be quicker. So we've got to find out what his concerns are that have led him to decide that the solution is that she stay there. She stay with him. Because to tell you the truth, I want you to stay here. I don't want you to go. Stay here and get me the colors I want. It's actually more of a solution than a concern. So in the empathy step, whether it's emergency plan B or proactive plan B, we've got to hang out in the empathy step a little longer, maybe a lot longer, to get his concerns onto the table. Now the mom's if this was plan B, the mom would then put her concerns on the table. And I do have the feeling that mom is reading a more dated rendition of the explosive child because she's referring to baskets. And um, for quite some time now, they've been called plans. And so one of the dead giveaways to know if somebody's reading a dated version of the model is to be referring to the three options as baskets. And um, I don't really talk much about a user-friendly environment anymore. So that tells me that this may actually be the first edition of the book, which at this point is 17 years old. Isn't that something? Wow. Explosive yes, Child it is. has been out for 17 years. Doesn't feel like that to me. Um, but I guess people say that about life racing by frequently, not even, even if they don't have a reference point for when a book came out. But her concern is, I need a shower. Actually, I need a shower sounds more like a solution as well. 
The uh, define adult concerns step, adult concerns usually fall into one or both of two categories. How the unsolved problem is affecting the kid, and that would not be the category on this one. How the unsolved problem is affecting other people, and that is what I would pick for this one. Mom has good reasons for wanting to take a shower, but she needs to say what they are because those are her concerns might sound something like this. If I don't go take a shower, then I won't be able to clean myself up to go to work, and then I'll be late for work, and my boss will get mad at me um, because my boss doesn't like me being late for work, and I don't like being late for work either. Now, that's more concerns. So stay here is more of a solution. I want to take a shower is more a solution, and so what we ended up having here is what might be called dueling solutions, but what is also called a power struggle. And that's what happens when we have two solutions entered into consideration in those first two steps, not concerns entered into consideration in those first two steps. Then and only then are we really in a good position to start thinking of solutions, because all we have here is... The kid then saying, no, I want my solution. And to some lesser degree, mom saying, no, I want my solution. And then asking, how can we both be happy? But what we have on the table is solutions, not concerns. And to tell you the truth, this is much more nitpicky. The goal is not to be happy, but the goal is to make sure the concerns of both parties get addressed, but the concerns of both parties won't get addressed if we don't get the concerns of both parties entered into consideration in those first two steps of plan B. So, some tuning up to be done. We want to make sure we do this proactively whenever possible, which means, and this, uh, we, that this takes us back to one of our other things that we've talked about today, it all starts with the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. Mom, if you haven't use the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, and it would not have been in the first edition of The Explosive Child. You'll have to find that on the Lives in the Balance website in the paperwork section. If you haven't used it yet to identify your four-year-old's lagging skills and unsolved problems, and from the sounds of it, it sounds like you might want to do it with your five-year-old too, that would be the place to start. Got to get some specific unsolved problems on there to set the stage for the whole process to be done proactively. So let's see if we can make this proactive, and then let's tune it up on getting concerns on the table in the first two steps rather than solutions. And I've got a great place, Mom, for you to start on the Lives in the Balance website. Go to the Parents, Educators section, excuse me, the Parents and Families section. Go to the Walking Tour and take the tour. The tour is organized into three sections. Change your lenses. Sounds like you might be well on your way there. Uh, Identify lagging skills and unsolved problems. That's a good place to... I'd start in the first section just to make sure, then move on to the second section, and it's that third section, solve problems, that I think all the streaming video and audio programming in the guided tour is going to help you a lot because it's going to give you some examples of what Plan B is really supposed to look like. And... um, Hey, email us back and let us know how things are going. Susie, any last thoughts on that one? 
Um, no, just how important the to do this proactively, um, especially uh, with the two boys and being so close in age um, and and helping them to learn to, for the mom, to model behavior that the boys can learn um, to uh, take somebody else's, listen to somebody's concerns and um, and take another person's point of view. Um, it just would be uh, very beneficial to their family. We have just a few minutes left here. I think we can do one more. I, we don't have any calls today. Um, and then I'm going to start battening down the hatches because there's a blizzard coming. Now, is there a uh, program next week, Dr. Green? There is Be- not. Thank you for reminding me. I will be in Norway next Monday, so there is no program next week, but there is, as best I can tell, the following week. So no program on the first Monday of February, which I believe is February 2nd. I don't have my calendar in front of me at the moment, but I can get my calendar up in front of me relatively quickly here. Just a second. So no program on February 2nd, but yes program on Monday, February 9th. Sorry that my schedule seems to be getting in the way here so often, but um, well, what can I say? We do. Shall the we best do we one can. more? Sure. We do. Uh, book authors do well if they can. <laughs> here we go, but we're going to have to hustle on this one because we have three minutes to answer it. We can do it. Uh, We have a three-year-old daughter who does not want to sleep in her own room. At this time, that is the option because our son has such a different schedule of sleep than she does. She wants to sleep with us, but we do not want to start this. She has done well until a recent trip where we did have to share a room because of space issues. Trying to help her make choices that work for both of us. She currently gets very angry and cries and bangs on the door and comes out of her room and cries, which results in waking our son. This can last up to an hour, and we are trying to find out what other people try without using punishment, but rather using positive behavior support. We are both teachers. Thanks. All right. Um, I'm not hearing about Plan B in there, to tell you the truth. I'm hearing that we're talking with her about making good choices, and I'm actually, even though there is no punishment, hearing about Plan A. I mean, that's the option, is a very Plan A thing to say. Um, Choices. (laughs) I always say that when people are talking about choices, they're actually usually talking about Plan A there as well. Um, but I'm not hearing about Plan B. Plan B consists of three steps. The emp- Here's how you know you're doing Plan B. The empathy step is where you are gathering information from your three-year-old daughter to find out what's hard for her about sleeping in her own room. 
The define adult concern step is where you're putting your concerns on the table about her sleeping in your room. The invitation is where you all are brainstorming solutions together so as to agree on one that is realistic, meaning both parties can do what they're agreeing to do, and mutually satisfactory, meaning the concerns of both parties have truly and logically been addressed. That's how you know you're doing plan B. If you're doing choices, you're probably not doing plan B. If you're saying that's the only option, you're probably not doing plan B. Susie, you've got 30 seconds to weigh in. What do you think? Just wanting to make sure that the conversation that they're having with their three-year-old takes place proactively, so important not to wait until yet another in the middle of the night episode occurs. Um, I think we're going to leave it at that. Susie, thanks again. Thank you. Safe travel. Another interesting program. Talk to everybody in two weeks.